Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers Show. Roger, we really missed it a couple weeks ago on the podcast, an anniversary that we should have recognized. I'll get to that in a second. But first, <laughs> okay. uh, something with, it was the 100th anniversary, 100th year anniversary of a pretty important invention is what it was. The golf club. So, no, 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 it has that. nothing no, to do with no. golf. So we'll get to that in a second. Okay. But first of all, all right. let me welcome you to the Fields Brothers Show podcast coming to you from Rogers Wedding Farm, the main cave here in central Kentucky where we enjoy talking about uh, life on this side of the cross because of the cross and the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant and the incredible grace of God and Jesus Christ because of what happened to the cross. And we occasionally talk about some other things, too, that really don't have that much spiritual significance. So I am Jeff Fields, and my brother Let's is... Let's kind of put it mildly. They don't have much <laughs> spiritual... It has zero spiritual significance, some of it. But anyway, sorry I interrupted okay. your intro. Go ahead. I'm Jeff Fields. And this is Roger. So we, we just enjoy doing this. And can I see the timer? I think I can see the timer so I can keep yeah. a track on our, on our time here. I'll wave at you. So, I end. mean, so everyone knows this. I feel kind of stupid about this. But we used to always record the podcast on opposite sides of the table, directly across so we could see each other. And then we started videotaping some of these. Or we, we put them live on Facebook. Okay, if, if there's going to be video to this, then we need to kind of be sitting side by side. And so we did started doing that. And then we stopped video taping them or recording them or whatever you know, it's not taping but you know making a video recording of it but we kept sitting side by side for months i guess so just last week i came up we, with we a were group. not socially distancing i guess very well so. so just uh just last last time we did a podcast kind of occurred to me okay we're not there's no video of this so there's no reason we're, for us to be sitting side by side yeah. trying to have a conversation so i have yeah. i have uh, whirled around to a to a different side of the table so we can kind of see each other see each other's so when, facial expressions yeah, we're when, not that close we need when, to sit uh, right next to each other anyway yeah so. and so yeah. when you know when roger has this bewildered confused look on his face i'll be able to see it now so works out very well <laughs> 100 years ago may 23rd 1921 there was a company in dayton ohio called the green and green company they invented a snack a food that we have all enjoyed and has made our lives better. The potato chip. No, but you're not real far off. Corn chip. You got me. No, but this is a precise brand that is still very much alive today. It was trademarked. This particular brand name for right, this particular snack. Right. The Cheez It. Cheez It. The Cheez It snack crackers. It's 100 years were old. We're trademarked. Well, where would we be? May 23rd, 1921. So. I saw someone on Facebook, fell I know. This is under the category of something that may not necessarily be all that spiritual. Yeah. They, um, and how I learned about this, a guy I know on Facebook, but they kind of had a celebration thing with his family. There's like 11 different flavors of Cheez-Its. So it's he took like a picture. like one family owned this? Is this like a family thing? That's, uh, it, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not publicly traded, is it? I mean, no, they're, they're, I'm assuming now they're probably owned by, yeah. probably Nabisco. Nabisco probably owned by Nabisco yeah, or something right. like that. Okay. But, yeah. but anyway, this family that I know that lives around here, uh, I think in Wilmore, they had a little 
celebration thing with a picnic on the weekend and they had all 11 evidently there's 11 flavors of cheez-its you got your regular one and then 10 others well who and they knew? had all the boxes up on the fence and like 11 different bowls <laughs> each with a different type of cheese and they had a little contest and a little uh, voting well, I, on there and, and to come up which, which aren't the best you glad one. you so, tuned into the podcast so have, today have you never that. known that yeah well how about that got one other off-topic thing we may uh I may save that for later, maybe for the next podcast or something. That, that's well, also what what are significant things did you do over the weekend, Jeff? I know you well, golfed in some cold pretty, weather. Pretty chilly weather, but yeah. had a lot of fun. Yeah, Memorial Day weekend. Had We're your, recording this after Memorial Day had weekend. Your family, so had family our family. And yeah. uh, all of our children, except for one, lives yeah. right around here. So we see you know, all but one, but the one that lives in the D.C. area was able to come in, flew in for the weekend. So we were all all six kids, all ten grandchildren, and uh Three of my sons and I played golf on Saturday yeah. morning in pretty chilly weather. So, yeah. but that, that's um, what I heard. That's that why I posted out, so. that I'm thank God they did not yeah. make me a golfer because I didn't want to be out in this kind of that kind did of. Did you see weather. my reply? Why, yeah, I did. I yeah, thought that, that was, was pretty clever. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> well, while you were golfing, let me tell you what I was doing. Okay. I was hanging out at a dinner with, um, and I have a picture. I might even put this picture on the Fields Brothers Facebook page. I don't know. With the state auditor of Kentucky, the. I saw um, the picture. Yeah, the Agriculture Secretary. Well, I know, but I want to go through okay, it, Jeff. Right. I know you know. The Agriculture Secretary of Kentucky, the Attorney General of Kentucky, the State Treasurer of Kentucky, and the Secretary of State of Kentucky. And there was five of the seven constitutionally elected officials of Kentucky. Everybody but the governor and, and lieutenant governor were mm-hmm. in this picture with me right in the middle. And so there you go. So I was hanging out with the state's maybe – you know the VIP dignitaries of the state while you're that just was kind pretty of cool. Playing. Yeah, so how about that? You know, so yeah, I made it. I, mean, I was, I, I out, with, I was out with the common people. Yeah, you were the, out with the guy. The I was hobnobbing with usually your kind of people, but anyway. So, well, I want to ask you about uh, an individual, a preacher that I know you recognize this name, but I want to. I've kind of rediscovered someone in the last few days. All right. He's no longer living. Right. He's been dead for 31 years. I'll tell you the name. I'm going to make That usually make means they're guess. right. You know, if they're yeah, dead, yeah, that they're, means they're, what they said was probably, you know. But it's someone I know you're familiar with the name, but I want to see how much you remember about him. But what I have discovered is that he wrote a book, and I read it on Kindle. It's only available on Kindle now. It's had the hard copies out of print. But you can get it on Kindle for 99 cents. All right. And so um, I read it on Kindle just in the last couple of days. It is amazing. And it, it's about the, the divide of the old covenant and the new covenant. Okay. And I had no idea that he saw this and taught this, but he did. Okay. And you remember the name W. Carl Ketcherside? Oh, yeah, sure. What do you, what do you remember about him? Oh, Carl? I like Carl Ketcherside. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, he, I always remembered he, him yeah. as a really good preacher. And, yeah, and, he, he, was, he was way off the beaten path of, of normal kind of Christian thought of his day. He came out of the Church of Christ. Non-instrumental Church of and Christ. And so they really, I mean, I guess they kind of, I don't think kind of gave him the boot or what, but I mean, they did, you know, mainstream Church of Christ did not like him, but he was, oh, he was pretty good. I mean, I read some stuff by him and he, uh, you know, he was saying stuff that I didn't know if anybody else was saying at that time. He, I heard him, um, at least I know at least once, if not twice, at Ozark in Chapel. So for those oh, really? of you probably don't know, Roger and I attended Ozark Bible College. I don't College know if I ever heard him in Missouri. person. I, he, I know, and I remember three or four of the I things did. he said. <laughs> you know, I did. Oh, yeah, he's brilliant. I attended brilliant. chapel services for four and a half years there. Yeah, and I don't know that I remember anything said in any of them except for his. Oh yeah, and I remember 
three or four of the things I remembered, and back up here a little bit. So he came out of the non-instrumental Church of Christ, extremely dogmatic about that issue. And and by his own admission, he mentioned it in the sermon of how mean he was, that if there was someone in the audience, a visiting preacher from from the independent Christian church that used the instrument, he would really lay into them, and he would... And he said, I was mean enough to, to listen to the advice of those who would want me to go after. But then he had an amazing change of heart. Yeah. And I remember him saying there, he said, it dawned on him one day when he was reading Ephesians, says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Yeah. And he said, he, that just hit him. He realized that everyone he'd been fighting against was flesh and blood. Yeah. Where Paul says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Right. And that and some other things led me to a real change of heart. And, and I remember his main emphasis being unity in the body of Christ. And he, and he began to accept other believers of other denominations and, you know, outside that non-instrumental church of Christ as genuine, uh, you know, members of the family of God and, and fellow believers. But oh, I didn't yeah. know, and what I remember him, the very first thing he said when he got up to speak at chapel, he said, I want I love every one of you, and there's not a thing in the world you can do about that. Yeah, and that always—I thought yeah. that was good, and yeah. I always remember that. I also remembered, you know, in chapel, most of the professors would kind of sit in the same area. A few would sit other places, yeah. but most of them, when he when he was addressing the con- or the the student body there and kind of acknowledging, you know, students and all this, he referred. He looked at the faculty or the section where a lot of the faculty were sitting, and he referred to them as the Sanhedrin, <laughs> which was, was a little bit bold to, yeah. to do that. Yeah. And then I also remember him saying. By that point, and he was, this would have been early 80s. He lived from 1908 to 1989, 81 years old. So this was the early 80s. So, I mean, he was already like 70 years old or so when he spoke. And by that time, he was already kind of ministering largely outside the main line institutional church. And and I remember him making the comment, and you talk about, you know, in that setting, you got a Bible college where everybody, you know, a lot of these guys are studying to be preachers and things like that. He referred to the Sunday morning service as a nice little exercise in futility. Yeah. He, he says, yeah. like, you can go ahead and meet on Sunday mornings if you want to. It's a nice little exercise in futility. But he went on, but, but you need to talk to them in small groups or something like yeah. that. And yeah. we're not opposed to Sunday meetings, I, so don't take that. I remember one thing I said. That it's, you know, two things he talked about that really struck me that I remember. One of them was how he talked about uh, Jesus when he stood up in John 7 and said, he who comes to me, like uh, rivers mm-hmm. living water flow. I mean, he had some cool things to say about that. But I also remember one thing he said, is that parents are always worried that their kids are going to lose their faith when they go to college. He said, well, you don't worry about they're going to lose their arm when they go to the mailbox. He goes, the reason mm-hmm. you don't worry about that is because it's attached to them. He goes, if the faith is theirs, they're yeah. not going to lose it. If it's just your faith, yeah, yeah then they may lose it. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty that, decent point. That is point. pretty good. You know? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you some quotes from his book. Okay, the book... And I remembered the title. Um, do you remember? And he wrote this in 1976, was the hard copy, Death of a Custodian. Oh, yeah, right. And the subtitle yeah. is The Missing Tutor. And it's from Galatians yep. 3. Yep. So custodian, not the person who cleans the building, but right. custodian the as the law who mm-hmm. had that we were in the law's custody right. until Christ. So Galatians right. 3 talks about that. And that's the book, that he, hard copy in 1976. It came out in Kindle, I think, in 2010. Yeah. And it's only... 90 or 100 pages long, yeah. so it doesn't yeah. take long to read. So if anyone, and it's 99 cents on Kindle. So if anyone, now, I, I've since watched some video. There's there's on YouTube, there's videos of him just being interviewed about his life, his upbringing. I like to watch that. And uh, yeah. there's a bunch of them. Each one's like an hour long. I've listened to two yeah. so far. But best I can tell, and that was recorded pretty late in his life as well. I don't know the exact date. But he still held on to his 
the, the views on baptism mm-hmm. that were common and, and yeah. you know really foundational in the non instrumental Church of Christ, some what some would call baptismal regeneration and mm-hmm. and all that. I think he pretty well held on to that view his entire life. Okay. He, the, the phrase he would repeatedly use in these videos is when he obeyed the gospel. And when and you can tell by the what he's saying, mm-hmm. yeah. by obeying the gospel, he's talking about being baptized, being immersed in water. So it's I've been fascinated to read what he wrote, but then also realizing he held on to that view. Yeah. And it was just a reminder that w- we all have flaws in our thinking. We just don't know what they are. And so to be, to be somewhat humble in that. But it's interesting how someone can have a tremendous grasp of a Phenomenal truth, like the the, the yeah. significance of the new covenant, but still, yeah, kind of missing it in another area. At least in my view, missing it in another area. But anyway, let me read you a few of the things that he yeah, wrote here. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and so these are direct quotes. It is easy to develop a Pharisaical attitude about the new covenant scriptures as about the old, if we condition our relationship with God on the basis of knowing a compi- compilation of sacred writings rather than faith in Jesus. We actually make the Bible our God. As a result, we become inconsistent. And insecure. Yeah. I mean, we've said that. Yeah. Type of thing. There's several things in here. I think, yeah. you know, if I didn't know better, I'd think he's been listening to our podcast. But he wrote this in 1976. <laughs> he died in 1989. <laughs> so we sure just started this three yeah, years I, ago. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, and one of the points he made, and he goes in, I want to go back and read it again, because this is the type of thing that's interesting, but uh, I'd have to read it again, and I think there is significant to this. But he makes a pretty good case, and he shares different Old Testament scriptures, that the Old Covenant was specifically the Ten Commandments and nothing else. Hmm. But the Old Covenant was the Ten Commandments. And there are verses that, you know, there talks about they are called the tables of stone, the tables of the covenant. And there are other verses that talks about and, and no more. I mean, so it's a pretty strong case in the Ark of the Covenant. Talking about, the, you know, the Ark of the Covenant had the tablets of stone. So what would he and call then, the rest of the laws in Leviticus then? What would that be? That was part of the law. So there's a difference between the covenant, the Old Covenant, and oh, the law. Oh, I see. Gotcha. So the law is things written, and the poetry and all prophets and all this were things written to people that were a part of the Old Covenant, but the Old Covenant was the Ten Commandments. All right. And part of why he draws on that is that, you know, the New Covenant is not the Scriptures that we call the New Testament. Right. And even, you know, we divide it at the cross, and rightfully so, but even then it's not like all those Scriptures, all the, epi- right. All right. the epistles are not part of the New Covenant. Right. They right. are writing writings to people in the New Covenant. Kind of describing the New Covenant, right. maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. But and not. So, the, but not synonymous with right. the new covenant. And right. so that the new covenant is essentially Jesus Christ. Right. So the old covenant. Right. Was the tablets of stone. The Ten Commandments. The new covenant is the person of Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. he he says here the two tablets of stone are distinctly said to be tables of the covenant. Deuteronomy nine eleven. Um, tell us about John one seventeen. I've heard other people point this out, but it's a great. You know, great reminder that he says the casual reader may overlook the profound significance of this statement. That's the one in John one seventeen. The law was given by Moses. It says, you know, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It says the law was given by Moses. The medium was not the message. Moses was not the law. The law was external to Moses. It was even written by another and handed to him. The law outlived Moses. It survived his death. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. They were not given to him as the law was given by Moses. He was full of grace and truth. When Jesus came, grace and truth came. These constituted his fullness, his nature, his essence. So he was the new covenant. He was the new covenant. Right. So he didn't, it wasn't delivered. He didn't right. bring it and then pass it off. Right. Whereas Moses and the old covenant were two separate Another entities. Another was written down that was handed to Jesus, where then he then right. passed it off to the right. disciples. Right. And he makes a great point from Galatians 3. And, you know, I kind of remember these words, but I hadn't thought about it. In Galatians 3, which is 
you know, part of the section where it talks about being under the you know custody of the law and, and different translations there. He says, quote, Paul uses the expressions before faith came, from verse 23, Galatians 3, and after that faith has come, verse 25. And that is interesting. Galatians 3, Paul talks about, you know, we're used to Old Covenant, New Covenant, we talk about before the cross, after the cross. Another way of saying it is before faith came and after that faith has come. I mean, Paul uses that contrast and then uh, – but there was faith before. Well, he's, he's okay. right. Yeah, Carl Kutcher right. goes on to write, quote, the period before faith came is identified as the time when men were kept under the law. The word kept means guarded or under surveillance as by keepers of a prison. Certainly there were men of faith under the law, but there is a difference between men coming to faith and faith coming to men. The first is a personal trust in God. The last is a principle of justification in Christ, which came as a historical event. That faith had not come while man was under a written code. He was shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. But if you go back and read that, verse 23 and 25. Yeah, okay. So, okay, simplify that. Okay, well, how do you sum that up? So, I think it's saying that's the general faith in God or a personal trust in God, which is different than spe- specifically faith in Jesus Christ and what he did and what he accomplished. He's just a more that specific faith. faith then. Okay, there was a yeah, general, would, there was people who had a general trust in God and God honored that, but now there was right. a specific faith in the finished work of Jesus, which is different. Hebrews 11, you know, yeah. by faith, right. Moses, by right. faith, Noah, by right. faith, Abraham. So yeah, they're, they're exempt, but there was but a principle that of faith. faith yeah. And so, I mean, I mean, Paul's the one that said it, you know, before faith came. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a, a Element of faith, a uh, quality of faith that did not come yeah. until after that. Yeah. I love this statement here. I'm going to post this, I think. He says, law says, do these things and you shall live. The spirit says, you live, so do these things. Oh, yeah. I right. think that's a great way yeah. of distinguishing. We've talked a little bit about it on this before, but the idea of, okay, you got all these commands in the Old Testament, and people say, well, you got commands in the New Testament as well. What's the difference? They're both commands. Right. This is the difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The law says, do these things and you shall live. The Spirit says, you live, so do these things. Well, and And it's a difference, too. It's also, I think, in my thing, it it clarifies things to say that there's a difference between doing things to get God to approve of you and be pleased with you and doing things because an outgrowth of the life that God has put in you. And that's the difference, the motivation. The law is, in order that... Grace is as a result of. All right, and I have a question for you when you're done with this. But go, go ahead. ahead. I'm, I've got a couple more quotes, but go ahead. Well, no, no, give okay. me give me quotes. Okay. Well, I really like this one. Um, let's see which one of these. It says, another reason for the reluctance. So he's talking about why are people having a hard time seeing the new covenant of grace? Another reason for the reluctance of many people to accept what was said about the covenants is that they would rather be under law than under grace. It is for this reason they make grace into a law and convert the love letters of the apostles into a written code. They are frightened by the freedom that makes them personally responsible for their decisions. They prefer to have things spelled out and have a law book. They can go and look it up and see how far they can go and still remain within the limits. It's easier to qualify, and I love this phrase, it is easier to qualify as a good lawyer than as a great lover. It is easier to lay down yeah, the law than I, to live up to love. I have a better reason. Okay. All right. Got, can I launch into a theory for you? Okay. I heard this uh, in relation to business first. And when I heard this, I thought, wow, this relates to faith. And I'll tell you where I heard it. So I don't know if you know who Simon Sinek is, 
but he, he's kind of a psych. He does some psychology and some so. leadership stuff and business, and he's absolutely brilliant when it comes to just why people do things in business. And he asked the question, why do, why are people loyal to a product? Not why they just buy a product. Why are they loyal? And he gives Apple as an example. He said people are loyal to Apple. He says, you know, they just never going to buy. Okay, I think I heard you mention this. All right. I just read. The, no, I don't think you've heard me say okay. this before. I don't think. think we oh, may, we talked about we it on the phone. Yeah, but yeah, let me, okay, okay, let me yeah. show you where we're going. Okay. So, and he said, and he said, you people who buy Apple products, they, they like going to their airports and flipping over their laptops, yeah. and they show off their Apple computers more than people who, you know, who uh, use PCs. And he said, now it's, it's been this way for years, apparently, that through when they do, when they compare the computers, that that Apples are not as fast now as PCs or not as reliable, and they cost a whole lot more money than PCs, but people are loyal. They're brand loyal. Now, people will change brands based on if you have a better product or you deliver it better, they'll change. But loyalty is something different, and he said, oh, why is that? And you give other examples, so I'm just giving one. I think I can do this argument justice. I'm going to try anyway. And he said, it comes down to the why question. It's why they bought into the why of the company. Now, they are convinced that Apple existed to provide something that was cutting edge. It was technologically, you know, it was kind of hip, but it was kind of, mm-hmm. they, had, they had a, you know, to make you, you know, kind of on top of things. And so they bought into the mission or the, what they thought the company was trying to do. So it comes, came down to this one thing, is that people buy products many times, and he gave other examples on the other side of this equation, but about what it says about them. So people many times would buy an Apple product because what they thought what it said about them to the world. Well, I'm hip and I'm kind of on top of things and I'm taking a lot technologically cutting edge and I'm this and that. It's almost it's, like a so sports like you wear a sports jersey to demonstrate like your loyalty to people. I, and I think it's the same way for a lot of people spiritually. When you say well, somebody says, well, you know, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a disciple. Mm. Um, I, you know, I take my Christianity seriously, or I'm a man of faith, or I'm a real Christian is one of the things we have. What they're basically saying is, is their, for lack of a better term, their brand of Christianity is something that they believe says something about them. Mm-hmm. It says something about them. This is the kind of person I am. I'm doing this right. I'm taking this seriously. I'm whatever it is. I'm disciplined, whatever. Now, the gospel is a little different than that. Because what you're saying when you say that Jesus paid the full price for your salvation by his blood, we have total forgiveness, total redemption. You're not so much saying what you are like or what you are. You're really saying more about who Jesus is. Yeah. And it's really a, it's really a, a flip yeah, side yeah, of this. Yeah, I see that. So when I say to somebody, you know, I, I believe Jesus paid the full price for my salvation, I'm kind of saying, you know, that's what I needed, which means I may not be that great. And that's why the term saints in the New Testament believers refer to as saints as, you know, means um, separated by God or, or sanctified by God. And so, it, you know, the, our identity is tied to who he is right. and what not, he has not done, who we not are, my activity. And not what so, we do and yeah. who we are other than the fact he's made us something. Right. But it's not the same kind of statement um, as somebody would say, well, I'm a follower. And I, and I see this on Facebook all the time. I am a servant of the Most High. People put this in their like profile or whatever on Facebook. Of course, Paul, I, you know, the epistles, Paul yeah. referred to him as a yeah. apostle and servant or things like that. Well, I so, think he established his credentials to the people of course, he, he, might he have been was in writing a, to. He was you know. in a little bit of a unique yeah, role. I think um, so. He was knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus. Yeah. And I think to bring the gospel to Gentiles, so I think he did establish his credentials for that. But by and large today, when I see somebody that has to declare who they are, mm-hmm. I mean, 
I'm not sure they quite get the gospel because the gospel is not really about mm-hmm. your status as a believer as is about what God has done for us. Now, as, because of what he's done for us, yes, we're a child of the king, we're redeemed, we're a new creature, things like that. But usually the terms of who they are in Christ are not the terms they're using. Yeah. You know, it's not like they say, well, I'm a new creature. Well, I would, I would, I like that. You know, I'm a new creation in Christ. I am the righteous of God in Christ. Well, that's great. Seated with Christ in the yeah, heavenlies. Yeah. yeah. But I think a lot of people adopt, here's my final statement okay. on this. I think a lot of people adopt their definition of Christianity or their definition of their faith based on what they think it says about them themselves. Yeah, uh, that's very good. Uh, it's a little different than here, I think, but it's it's very good. Yeah, what I mean, you're saying there. One thing I want to mention. One thing on the uh, kind of tied both of these a little bit together. Just found fascinating. Um, but then I want to wrap up on the on just kind of repeating that last line here. Is one of the things he mentioned in the video that I've watched on, on YouTube. He found himself many years ago. I think it was even south of the continental U.S. I think it was down in Puerto Rico or someplace. There's some big meeting, and there was a lot of people there. And there was, he was sitting there. There was one empty chair next to him, and an individual came in and sat next to him, and he recognized it was Colonel Sanders. <laughs> sat right down in the chair next to him. This is this is Ketcher's side? Yeah, Sanders? Carl Ketcher's side. Really? was in some meeting, and, and Colonel <laughs> Sanders came and took the only other seat, and they got talking afterwards, and Colonel Sanders is, was donating some money to something. But Colonel Sanders also told him, said, I don't think this is going to go because they need a slogan. And he, he told Carl Ketcherside about all his failures, which Colonel Sanders failed in business. So failure, what was right, he saying was not going to go? What do you I mean? I forget. Some, the, some religious, some okay. all Christian all right. venture of movement or something. That was, that was he said they, don't have, they need a slogan. And, and he told Carl Ketcherside about all his failures because he didn't succeed till he was. 55 or 60. Oh, or, in his 60s, yeah, I think. Yeah. And started that. And he said he came up, he said the slogan hit him. And evidently, the way Carl Ketcherstein describes it, Colonel Sanders credits his success to this slogan. And what was the, what's the well, slogan? Finger looking good? Is finger that... looking good. Yeah. He said no one had thought of that before. A lot of people never. Anyway, so good well, slogans are important, go. I guess. So anyway, I don't know what that has to do with this. <laughs> I don't but let me either. Do but, it was, but it ties And are we going to end on this? You know, Is that... Well, almost. Yeah, I, just, I want to repeat here this thing, but. But again, here he says they preferred talking about those who live, you know, they're they're hesitant to grasp grace in the new covenant. So I want to repeat what I read here from Carl Ketcher's side. They are frightened by the freedom that makes makes them personally responsible for their decisions. They prefer to have things spelled out and have a law book. They can then go to look it up and see how far they can go and still remain within the limits. It's easier to qualify as a good lawyer than as a great lever it's easier to lay down the law than to live up to love i think it's phenomenal i agree with that you know i just have i want to leave you with one thought jeff i heard this the other day i thought it's just so simple so profound this is a lot of things you cannot control in life you can't always control can't always control your health can't always control a lot of things but one thing you can pretty much control and that is your thoughts you know you can decide where your thoughts are going to go are they going to go towards something that's positive or something that's negative is it about what god has done for you or is it about all your failures so i think it's a, just a yeah. may have a quick thought command but then yeah. what you do with it yeah. is your choice yeah, yeah but you have you have you have some control over yeah. what you dwell on and i think that's important and that's why we're told to do. think on these things yep